Welcome to the first episode of 2023 of More Health Rebel Podcast with me, Lisa Strabat. I am so excited to have the absolutely amazing homeopath, Ren Lloyd, on this episode. She is internationally renowned for her work on autism and especially homeopathic detox, which is so relevant right now to the world we live in. I ask her to talk through some of her cases and she talks through one child that was actually 15 when he came to see her and the amazing progress that he made showing there is always room for hope. Her view on the autism explosion and what are the reasons behind it. We talk about her homeopathic practice building work and the amazing team she set up. We talk about her pioneering work in mould fungi detox. If you're interested in learning more about homeopathic detox, I'm actually running an online self-paced course. There's a link in the show notes. And most exciting of all, Rem will be coming on a live Q&A on the 8th of February, which will be recorded for those of you that can't make it. So um, yeah, you can learn more there and check out all the links in the show notes if you want to connect with Ren and find out more about what we spoke about. If you like this episode, please subscribe and like. It really helps get the ratings up and get this out more to the masses. And even better, please share with a friend. But listen up and enjoy and thank you. So I'm really excited to have you on, Ren. I've actually wanted to talk to you for a while. I, I had Chan on a couple of episodes ago and she spoke so highly of you yeah. and the work she does in your team. And yeah. yeah, it's really exciting just to have you on and talk about all the amazing work you do. And yeah, before yeah. we kick off, can I get you to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, my name's Ren Lloyd. You might have known me as Sally, but my name's definitely thoroughly Ren now. And I'm a homeopath. I came to homeopathy just by uh, trying to deal with my own health, like most people do. Try everything first and then you try homeopathy. Teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I keep hearing that come up. I found it very successful and I could never find a homeopath who was awake at night when my children were sick. So I decided to become a homeopath. And now there is homeopathy 24-7. So, you know, that's awesome. I'm very glad about that. We've mm. needed that for a long time. And uh, I originally came in with an interest in anxiety because I was a home educator and I worked within the home ed community. And there was a lot of anxiety. And of course, along with anxiety comes often autism. Mm -hmm. And so the more, more and more I got to ask to treat cases of children who have diagnoses or symptoms of autism. And in the process, it takes quite a lot to keep me interested. I need a good brain workout. And so I started to specialise in really stuck, difficult, blocked cases. I get to be, have to be a bit like Sherlock Holmes. So it keeps me interested. Tubercular myasm, Lisa. <laughs> I've got a tubercular myasm in my, in my family. And that, that makes me want to just go, oh, there's a new thing to do. Let's go do that. But because the cases I work with are so difficult, they're so, so, they're so puzzling. And the results are so beautiful. The outcomes for the children and families are so good. It's kept me going for this long. <clears throat> I got very busy, very busy, partly because I teach homeopathic practice building with Alan Freestone. And Mary great. Greensmith from 24-7 is homeopathic 24-7 is one of our homeopathic practice building students. So you can see we're good teachers. Mm, yeah. She's uh, now taken over doing a lot of practice building as well practice building very important for us to be able to get our message out to to people otherwise your listeners won't know where to go what can be cured what can be treated etc and uh, and so I set my team up because just because I got too busy way too busy and now we have a lovely structure it's called International Homeopaths for Autism and the team structure is that I taught the first group of homeopaths they are already thoroughly qualified homeopaths and what I do is I mentor and teach them how to treat these very difficult cases autism ADHD PAMs and PANDAS which are difficult neurological conditions autoimmune conditions that often come alongside autism and now what happens is as because I was so busy I was referring patients to them and then they've gotten very busy and we've taken in more members into our team. There's eight of us in total. And now Chan mentors two of them and Alex mentors another two. We work together as a whole team. 
but we're mentoring also in separate groups that there's extra teaching. And we're very careful, we take very experienced homeopaths and we also sometimes will take newly qualified homeopaths so that we can, so they've, they've come in with a great qualification. When you qualify as a homeopath, you've already done a lot of casework. And then what we do is we, they hit the ground running to become autism specialist homeopaths. And so, yeah, we have this great team and we keep building it and we keep having good discoveries about what more we can do. There's so much I want to talk to you about on so many different levels. I mean, and also just maybe before I dive into some of your practice building work, which is so important in the homeopathic community and the lovely team you're building, but actually some of the work that you've done as well for those that are listening that maybe have a child with autism or ADHD or pandas and pans. It is yes. so difficult when you when you live with that. And sometimes if you go on forums, it feels like there's not much hope out there. You know, you're you're yeah. confined to this life of misery almost. And actually homeopathy can give you hope and it can seem very far removed if you have gone down the allopathic route. So what are some of the cases you've seen and success stories? I had a child with autism who was 15 when he came to me and he was with another homeopath but they didn't do the detoxes that you and I are going to talk about soon mm. <clears throat> and his mum brought him to me to do detoxes with him and the key thing that we spotted was glyphosate that we thought glyphosate was an important factor I think his there, there was I'm trying to remember why but I think it was where he lived and that they'd done they did a lot of baking or something like that then maybe there was baking in the in the family business but we we decided to do a glyphosate clear with this child the first clear and he dropped 21 autism test points in a month mm -hmm. and he's 15 he was clearly high functioning autism but clearly autistic they were quite concerned in the family because he was quite aggressive he was a big kid and that can be really become quite a big problem when children are older and now he is at university across about three or four states away from home. He learned to drive. He held down two jobs to pay for his driving lessons and his car and his education. He's, he's paid his own way to school and he's studying engineering and he's in his second year. And I think that is, he, he was a nonverbal child at five still. He was, his mum did a lot of work to help recover him into language and so on. He had language, I think, around about five or six, a vaccine-injured child. <clears throat> she did a lot of work to, to recover him, but that was like the big thing that really made that big difference. Last time I saw him, I consulted with him directly, and I could not have told you that this was a person with autism. It was really quite remarkable. And I've got another case of a 14-year-old. In fact, I've sent you a link to this case because his main problem was mold, so fungi mm. and strep. And his, he's a 14-year-old boy and his ATEX scores have gone from 120 into the 20s. That's a, mm. You'll find that on my website. Yeah. And that was mold and strep clearing. It was quite remarkable. This episode is just so relevant to so many issues right now. And mould at the moment, it's such a big thing. And part of me, there's part of me that's like, is it a bit of a fad? But actually having experienced black mould in my house that was hidden, that I'd kind of stuck my head in the sand, we've now remediated and got rid of it. And we are going to do some poly mold detoxes with the amazing charm. So homeopathy, homeopaths as well. So I really want to understand a bit more like what you think's going on there. Why are we more susceptible? Is it the toxic overload? You know, why is this coming? Why is this so prevalent at the moment? What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to having a bit more time to read more on this. But a patient had sent me a link to an interview with William Shaw, who is from the Great Plains Lab in the USA. And they do a lot of testing. One of the things they do is mold testing. He was talking directly about great results that had been seen with mold clears, fungal, killing fungi with allopathic medication in children with autism. What remarkable, remarkable results they'd seen, real, real turnarounds. 
And the only problem was, is that it was also, they were having to check the children for liver damage and so on. And it's really, the side effects are really problematic. So I'm watching that and I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, we do all of this with homeopathy. So why not put all this together and produce a way of doing this with homeopathy? And what he was specifically talking about was that molds like aspergillus and so on, yeasts and clostridia, which is a bacteria. So the two first two are fungi, yeast and mold of fungi, and the third one, clostridia difficile, which is a bacteria. They live in the same kind of habitat within the gut, in, in particularly in children with autism, but in lots of us. I have problems with this myself. And what happens is when you knock out one of them, the other benefit from the space in the environment, knock them out allopathically with doctor's medications, you know, antifungals and antibacterials, antibiotics, then you don't change the situation in the body. The, the environment's the same. But with homeopathy, we remind the body that there's something there that shouldn't be there. There's a pathogen. So it's really quite simple. We use, if we want to, to cause the body to get rid of aspergillus, we use aspergillus in a homeopathic preparation. As you know, Lisa, if we want the body to get rid of candida, albicans, you know, yeast, then we use candida in potency in a homeopathic form. And the same with Clostridia difficile. So I went to one of the pharmacies I work with, the homeopathic pharmacies in America. And this guy has the most wonderful customer services. He is phenomenally good, Ryan. Shout out for Ryan at PS11. And he got together with me and we found every nosode of mould that we would likely be exposed to. Five types of candida and the only Clostridia that he had in potency, which was Clostridia difficile. And we made them into a remedy called Polyfungi Plus. My team and I have been working with this remedy 18 months, probably. And it's been the missing link for me for a lot of my autism cases, the cases that didn't work. We would do everything, vaccines, detoxes, constitutional remedies. We'd be doing all the polymetals, bringing all the toxic metals down, but we still weren't seeing results with the children. And this has been the missing link. So now it's so rare that we have non-moving cases. It's just such a rarity. And this has been really important. Yeah. Yeah, and it gives so much hope. What's, what's your thoughts on, you know, a lot of, classical homeopaths that will say oh you just you know maybe you just didn't find the right constitutional remedy you know the right yeah. constitutional remedy can heal everything what's your thoughts on, on that I think that's wonderful if you can do it that way and I have heard them say that it is possible and if you're not managing that with a one classical remedy or a series of classical remedies you just haven't got the right remedies but I also find that the same people will say that some cases are too deep, that they're, they're, they're incurable cases. And there is a tradition of, of seeing the idea of incurable cases in homeopathy. You know, this goes back all the way back to Kent and so on. Some, some cases are considered to be incurable. And if you look at autism, most of the children with autism spectrum, do they actually fall into that group? They fall quite heavily into that group of, of non-treatable, a lot of them. And I think when I was training, I was told, you know, most of them don't bother trying to treat because they're not treatable. You know, the level of health is too low. Actually, what I see is they just have sky high toxins and toxins, as we know, heavy metals and um, massive yeast overgrowth, massive mold overgrowth, moldy environments. All these things are what we call maintaining causes. And Hahnemann himself, the original OG homeopath, who the, the guy who really sort of discovered all this, but he put together a lot of ancient med medicine ideas and did lots of work. I've heard you interviewing about and talking about him plenty. Hahnemann, he was quite a progressive in his own time. He worked, I really love a book called, what's it called? The Organum Revisited, I think it's called something like that. And they're very clear in saying that Hahnemann would have, he was always making progress. He was always progressing things. And even in Hahnemann's time, you would, he would recognize that there were blockages and cases. And so if somebody maybe needed, let's say, rust tox or something like that. 
but they had like a heavy mercury load. It's quite possible he would have given mercury in order to lower their mercury load, overcome mm. their maintaining cause. Yeah. Yeah, I love and I, I love that. And I think I, I just think it's amazing that you're finding that these deep cases, there's still progression. Do you find that most children can improve to some extent? For people listening and wondering how long does it take? You know, it's often a marathon, not a sprint. What's what in your experience can people expect if they go to see a homeopath in these type of cases? I think you have to be persistent. And there's also a kind of situation that makes it very difficult for me to answer that question is that parents tend to jump around different therapies quite a lot. And I understand why they are urgent to recover their child. It can be very difficult because it's a it can be a slow process. It can be a slow process. It can, you can see I, I consulted. I followed up for two boys today, twins, and we've got one kid who was just looking up at mom smiling and. He hasn't been doing that at all. And this is his first follow-up. So I think we have done tuberculinum and polysteroid detox. Pretty much that's it. And straight away, he's looking up at mum, smiling. And, and there was some babbling coming. These are, these are young kids. I think if you're dealing with the really young ones, you're going to see things quite quickly. If, you're, if the most of the problem is lack of focus, then you're going to see things quite quickly. If you're dealing with apraxia, so loss of language, along with very high heavy metals or, or something like that, you're really going to need to be patient and uh, be very consistent with your follow-ups. But we can make like huge strides in, in one appointment sometimes. Mm -hmm. And other times I have had cases where we've worked. I remember one case I worked for 18 months. We had nothing. We had no improvements whatsoever. And I'm sat there thinking, every time I open up, I'm just like, why, why are you coming back to me? You know, I'm failing you horribly. And then we had, we just had a breakthrough and the parents were incredibly patient. Mm -hmm. I was, I was so awkward about it. They kept coming, they kept paying me. And I was like, oh, please, I need a breakthrough on this case because this, you know, this is just a really difficult case. But sometimes I'll, I'll see cases of children who've been to four or five other homeopaths. And sometimes there's a list of great names in there as well. And it's just, you know, sometimes I don't get places with cases and they go off to somebody else and somebody else knows a bunch of different remedies or uses some different techniques. But it's really worth persevering. Mm. Mm. I second that to be patient yeah. definitely yeah. and focus on those improvements because you'll see that uh, having that consistency I think is really important and uh, people should read as well the cease therapy book just because he, he Tyler Smith does a lot of case studies in that and at the end he says it can take two to four years sometimes but you yeah. really see the progression that can be made along the way so it's good to sort yeah. of manage expectations I think but as you say you can get that breakthrough remedy sometimes can't you things jump yeah as quite, well. quite often not to, it's not infrequent and I usually will uh, after an appointment if we've seen any gains I do a little sound bite and put it on my Facebook because I think it's really on my international homeopaths page I think it's really important for people to have hope of communicating what we what we see as homeopaths is incredibly important because and and communicating what you see as a patient to other people is incredibly important because people are not going to come across homeopathy in the mainstream it's it's fairly sort of underground it's fairly it's fairly quietened down by the media there's not nobody's shouting about it and and we can do great things your body can do great things it certainly can. And that's a lovely segue, actually, and where I want to speak to you a bit more about the homeopathic practice building and the team and making people more aware of homeopathy. Just before we do, a little plug, but if people are interested in the homeopathic detox and learning more about that, there is a homeopathic detox course that I've launched, a short, just 75 minute video, but you're going to do the Q&A on the 8th of I February, am. which I cannot wait. And that is literally an goldmine opportunity for people to pick the the guru's mind on <laughs> homeopathic detox so so I'll put a link to that and it's such a fascinating area but I really 
would love to talk about the work that you do because you with working in your team and getting the word out there you know you do so much for the homeopathic community and your hope your homeopathic practice Facebook group that I joined when I was still studying I was like my god these homeopaths they know what they're doing and how to spread the message because it is underground a bit and can become you know it's the way it's portrayed in the press is just ridiculous so um, can you tell me more about why you started doing that and what you're doing and yeah let the listeners know because I think it's amazing I can I can and I'll tell you that my reputation is is quite large, but there are a lot of people that have the knowledge that I have and do the work that I do. And there are people with a lot more knowledge in this whole area than I have. And I know them. I know these people. But I think that one of the things for me is I'm very good at communicating about it. And when I first started being a homeopath and I was still in training, I went to that particular group, homeopathic practice building group. And Alan Freestone had just started it. And I wanted 10 patients and I ended up with 50 pretty quickly. And I ended up with like a, a huge practice. And it was, I don't know, I, did, I think between the skills that he, he was teaching me and the skills that I came to and brought to that group, we, I just got very busy. And then Alan and I taught a course. We taught, for example, Mary Greensmith of Homeopathy 24-7 and quite a lot of other people. And if you look at the people that the homeopaths we taught have been very successful, and they've also gone off and built quite good organizations, and they've gone off to train other homeopaths how to build their practices. And the main thing is about understanding what people need to know. So you've, you have got a product, ultimately it's a product, and you have got potential customers, and we mustn't shy away from marketing because you can be quite moralistic about marketing. Marketing is only telling people what you've got. If they don't need and they don't want it, they don't, they're not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. And what you need to do is be able to show them that you understand what their problem is, you have a solution for their problem, and here it is. So obviously you've got to be able to communicate that by showing that you can provide these kinds of results. But what we do is we narrow down homeopaths are holists. We work with every condition under the sun and very rarely do any of us turn anybody away. So I don't just work with autism. I work with every single condition you can imagine. If you ask me, have I have I seen a case of I've probably seen it. But it's important, particularly in autism, to have quite a, a wide breadth of knowledge in that one area. So there's some sense in specializing you understand more about that particular area of ill health and you will still see everything else every other condition but you'll be honed in on that so we teach people to communicate about that particular thing choose that area you're really besotted with that area that speaks to you might be pants it might be anxiety it might be autism it could be lichen sclerosis it could be any condition eczema etc and then you um you begin to find people who have that problem and offer them treatment. And sometimes at first you offered them discounted treatment so that you can get experience in that area. When you have experience and people have come back and said they've had great results, you have testimonials, then you begin to tell more people, this is what I can do. And very often we teach people to, to build a support group and then invite people in so that they can talk to people about what can be done for their condition using homeopathy which has no side effects and great outcomes and so as a result what happens is more people more people have more good results and more homeopaths get busy and we have not got enough homeopaths in this world we need a lot more of them yeah a lot they need to be busy and they need to work together there was a lot of an atmosphere before of working competitively with each other and I think it comes from being in the same geographic environment and not many people knowing about homeopathy they would feel like you're taking my patients and so in the homeopathic practice building group we really did emphasize there's no behavior we're not behaving like crabs in a bucket we're going to work together and so um, there's a lot of teams around the world now coming together a lot of teamwork happening yeah. And that is a wonderful way to work because I think 
it's very lonely when you start out. I said this to Chan a couple of episodes ago. If I go back to seeing one-on-one clients, I want to be part of your team because I think to be in a team where you have that support and can discuss cases and it makes it so much more, well, for me personally, enjoyable. You know, I think it can be quite a lonely thing doing it on your own. Uh, And yeah, and collaboration, we've got more, we can get our message out there. I think that is such an important way forward the homeopathic community so yeah I love it I love what you're doing and I think that's the other thing as well you know quite often because we do treat the whole particularly we come out and I think often our message is homeopathy can treat everything and then people can't find you because you don't go googling I want to be treated for everything you're googling your specific complaint and that's how people then find you so yeah amazing and and not most people don't google homeopathy it's it's like a lot of people don't know what homeopathy can do but i think for your listeners if they assume homeopathy can do it they're probably right Mm. and then if they find out that there's the very few things that homeopathy can do nothing about then they may be unlucky and find that that thing but most things can be dealt with with homeopathy (coughs) i struggle to think short of like regrowing a limb what can't homeopathy can't help with <laughs> no but it can still help can't your emotional state can't it I think it can help you yeah. know I can't, there's very few things it can't help with and even if it can't help completely it will still help you as a whole yeah. so Look, I have a little subspecialism in tea peeling and so yeah it's almost like growing a limb it's not quite but I yeah do. I have a, I have a course on tea peeling with homeopathy as well yeah homeopathy I, and diet I get asked a lot of late about tea, actually, homeopathy tea. So can you tell us a bit more? Because people will message me on Instagram going, oh, you know, my kids got cavities or this issue or teeth issue. So, yeah, can you give us a little snapshot into that? Yeah, so I have a course that I wrote. It's actually the beginning of lockdown in the UK when I have had a bit of time because for a short period of time, my patients were all wondering if they were going to survive I suspect so they didn't come for follow-ups and it was very quiet for just a short time and it gave me the time to write some courses and I wrote a course and the first part of it is on how to deal with the mineral issues that are often behind tooth decay and so with homeopathy using homeopathy for that purpose how to deal with things like tooth pain and other such issues gum issues and etc so the first section is like a homeopathic first aid section and then the middle is really bringing in lots of dietary ideas from people like Ramiel Nagel I think his name is and also other sort of little recipes and whatnot to, to really overhaul your diet because your teeth are the canary in the mine they're telling you that you've got some issues in the body more generally so you will see if you have tooth decay you're more likely to have osteoporosis for example and the third part is dealing with the outcomes of dentistry when it goes wrong, the third section. So things like trigeminal neuralgia, where you've had teeth pulled and the nerve has been damaged in the face, or dry socket infections, etc., cavitations, all of these problems that can come after dentistry. But uh, I think one of the biggest connections, and this is how I come to, to work with autism and teeth, is that you have a common common factor, and that's often methyl toxicity. So if you have a lot of tooth decay, sometimes it can be just a constitutional issue. And I've dealt with small children with teeth that break, and we deal with that with classical homeopathy. But sometimes it can be that you need detoxing. You actually need to do some detoxing. And one of the most fascinating bits of detoxing I did with teeth was a woman who had fungal problems with her teeth. And what we did is we used a Sulis machine and she sent me the scrapings from when the dental hygienist cleaned her teeth. She sent me the scrapings and I made a remedy up for her, a homeopathic remedy to detox, like a nosode combination, if you like, to detox whatever microbes in her mouth shouldn't be there. And we managed to get rid of the fungus in her mouth. That was pretty. Oh, nifty. I love that. Oh, I love that. On, really on a machine as well. Yeah. You know, just... yeah, machine remedy. I love it. it. Do you know what something popped into my head actually as you were talking then and your view on self-treating like where should 
the boundary be as to where we self-treat and don't? Because I think I've had people saying to me where the stuff I share on Instagram, homeopaths messaging me saying I'm sharing too much, shouldn't share about that remedy, shouldn't share about that. And yeah, yeah, interested to get your view on how much should people self-treat and how where should they not? Well, I came into homeopathy myself from being a lay homeopath. So, so an unqualified homeopath, treating my family, treating my friends, etc. And I did a, a, you know, a lot of study. And then I did postgraduate study with uh, George Vithorkas. I'm not sure he'd like a lot of what <laughs> I do nowadays. So I actually think that there are certain elements like clap, acute treating so you're treating a problem that comes from outside of you if you like an accident or you know there's a virus going around and you happen to get it or something like that something that's coming from outside of the body then I think you can treat that very well and you can learn to treat that and you should learn to treat that because although you've got homeopathy 24 7 right there anytime 24 7 it's almost like they're going to pay me for this but I'm just plugging it because I think it's wonderful and I was there when when it was set up I I was on the first team that set, set uh, that when it is amazing I, I, I recommend I just use it myself I use it myself all the time so you know I, I'm, I'm plugging it but only because it's just such an awesome thing to have but yes I have a course on the subject that you're asking me about <laughs> so it's a course called can I treat it myself and it describes for you really clearly what's an acute what is a subacute, and what is a chronic condition so an acute is something that's come from outside of you, if you like, as we described, an injury, an emotional injury sometimes, and a virus, et cetera. And then you've got a subacute, which is where you keep getting the same thing. This keeps happening. You seem to have a, too much of a susceptibility to it. This is starting to be somewhere where you see a homeopath. And then you've got chronic conditions where this is coming from inside the body. It's a, a pure imbalance of the body rheumatoid arthritis or you know deep conditions but even even if you've got well I would say recurrent tonsillitis is a subacute if you've got it once treat it but if it keeps coming back see a homeopath that's that's where I'm at and then there's detox and I think with detox that detox is not the kind of homeopathy where you're trying to find an individualized remedy for a patient and so that's much easier to learn Learning to find an individual, individualized remedy for a patient is a real art and it takes quite a lot of doing. Learn it in the acute area. When you get to subacute or chronic, go to a homeopath because you're likely to be disappointed because it takes us quite, quite a bit. And I'm up for people learning to be homeopaths. I'm really up for that. There's, there's, no, there's no closed door for me. Everybody, come and be a homeopath. That's where I'm at. But detoxing, I think, is quite easy to do once you've got a, a few, you're, you've got some understanding about it. And as you know, I've got a full course on it that's suitable for non-homeopaths and homeopaths. But once you know what to do, it's fairly simple and straightforward. And I spend all my time teaching my clients to do this work. And so and that's they're, they're doing it with my supervision, but I'm always teaching them to do this. And it's quite straightforward. It's not so individualized, you know. So I actually think that eventually we should all, just like Laura Ingalls Wilder's mum would have known all the herbs in the field and she would have treated Caroline Ingalls, she would have treated all her family, for goodness knows what, in the wilds heading west to the the frontier. I wish she'd had homeopathy because if you've ever read about how terrible they had diphtheria, they could have treated that with homeopathy very nicely. I just think that we should all be taking responsibility for our own health and learning as much as we can about homeopathy. And it's all out there. It's all out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And that's it's really fascinating. You've said actually about the detox that people can use at home because I'd never really thought about that until I spoke to you about it. And I thought actually you're right it kind of took because previously when people had asked me I'd always said oh no you should definitely work with a very 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 experienced homeopath on it which I think you should but I'd never really thought that actually maybe though when you work with that experienced homeopath they can guide you how to and when to do it yourself so I love that yeah really really exciting and 
everyone should have a first aid kit and to, and to treat these acutes because you'll you know you'll minimize doctors visits and all of that kind of thing um okay before, i'm conscious of time there's still so much i want to talk to you about but can you tell me a little bit more about i know we've touched on your team but your amazing team like they're they're just absolutely incredible and they're getting so busy i think and the fact that they're expanding yes, they and getting are. their sub teams yeah yes people they book are. in so, and how do they do that yeah so to book in if you just look up international homeopaths for autism you'll find us on facebook or on the internet i think i think if you just put ih4a the number four in the middle you'll find us wherever if you don't have autism or you don't have a child with autism you can still find us we treat every condition and we're very happy to do so. So we've got Alex Taylor and Chan Baden, who were the OGs. They're my first, they're still remaining from the first group of people that came to me in March 2021. And so Chan and Alex are now very busy. Their, their practices are pretty much full. And so I... I think that Alex, we've then got Gillian Whitehead and Rukmini on Alex's team. And then we have got Shahin and who have I missed? Rena on Chan's sub team. So we're one, we're one whole team, but and we meet every Friday. We have lectures. We're just about to have a lecture from Tony Pincus from the he has the Ainsworth Pharmacy in London. We've been doing a series of lectures from Elizabeth Adalian, who specialises in trauma. And we often will have meetings where we do case, we, we look at cases, we do supervision, discuss cases, we look at remedies that have popped into our mind. We have a telegram group where we are active even on Sunday nights and you know Saturday mornings. We're quite often in there sort of like typing away to each other or saying, oh, I found I found this remedy and it's amazing. You look at it, look at the mind symptoms. They're so sort of like similar to autism. Why do we not know this remedy? And just learning together, it's quite wonderful. We've been, we've affiliated with World Council for Health and we are doing quite a lot of outreach at the moment to different, different practitioners with different modalities. So a modality is a you know, like a, a different kind of therapy, if you like. We quite often get contacted directly by people and then we'll go and check them out and see if we want to learn from them and collaborate with them in some way. So we're doing quite a lot of outreach. And the thing that the baby I've got at the moment that I'm I'm moving more towards teaching and a little away from practice now because for for me doing six or seven years of really intense cases, I'm quite tired and I would really love time to learn more watch the end of William Shaw's video <laughs> interview, read more about fungi, learn more about biomedical, you know, and, and all the medical stuff behind autism and filter that into my team. So I am moving more into teaching more homeopaths as well, but inside a different group rather our team is the perfect size. And I think mm. if it gets too large, you lose, you lose a lot. And so I'm trying to work out, I have a lot of homeopaths come to me asking for to be on the team and I can't fit them in. So I'm working on probably building some kind of mini online school for homeopaths treating autism. And there's quite a few of those already worldwide, but we are looking at an epidemic of autism. So it needs to be done. Definitely. That's so, I mean, it's so, so needed. The the homeopaths that mm. specialise in autism seem to be very busy, sadly. Yeah. Well, and it's great very they're busy. helping. What do you think? I mean, I think you've kind of alluded to it anyway, but what do you think are the key factors in autism? Is it toxic overload? Is it emotional trauma part of that? Or, you know, what, yeah, what do you see both. come up? Yeah. I think there's a couple of things. It's like if you have emotional trauma in the family, I think there are 73 different genetic epigenetic mutations or epigenetic changes that happen with trauma. And a lot of them cause an increase in toxicity. Also, when you have trauma in the family or you, you personally have trauma, you tend towards what's called underbreathing. And the lungs are our number one detox organ. You might think the liver is the number one. No, the lungs, your breathing mm -hmm. is the, the most important way of getting rid of toxins. 
is also the way you lose weight in actual fact. You know, the breakdown products of fat come out through the lungs. And so, you know, a lot of toxins, et cetera, come out through the lungs. So trauma is a big issue. And I know Elizabeth Adalian is looking very much into the link between trauma and autism. And we know that there's, there are, have been theories about the bond, you know, connection between the parent and the child being part of that. What I'm seeing, there's a lot of toxicity. And I think it starts in when we start with allopathic medications, antibiotics, antacids in small babies with colic, antibiotics for ear infections, steroids for eczema. And what you will see is vaccines may not directly cause this, but what we, I suspect we're seeing is viral shedding through the skin, through the stomach, which is an extension of the skin inside the body, if you like, mm. through the ears, the membranes of the ears. And in that process, you will have symptoms that look like ear infections, colic, eczema, et cetera. And then we treat them with medication. And the medications we use all suppress the immune system. And those suppressive, well, in actual fact, antacids may not suppress the immune system, but they lower the acidity in the stomach and allow fungi to take over. And lowering the immune system allows fungi to take over. And when we have like mold exposure or we have the wrong bacteria in the gut, also you see a lot C-sections and so on. So the child starts off with a poor, a poor gut. When we see this, then we've got fungi inside the body growing inside the body at a much greater rate than they should. And as metals pass through the body, the, the fungi bind the metals. In some ways, this is a good thing for the body because it keeps the metals trapped away. But in another way, it's a bad thing because metals are often just passing through us. We live in a very toxic environment and they should just pass through us. But if we have fungi, fungi and they're binding the metals inside the body, our toxic metal load is going to go up. So that's part of it, you know, suppression of the immune system. Vaccines are quite a suppressive action as well. And also children are not having the acute diseases that they're supposed to have. Now, I don't want to see any children dying of acute diseases, but we're seeing much higher rates of chronic ill health because the immune system isn't properly matured in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I think we've got all of those factors coming in. And then we've got environmental toxins coming out of our ears. We're living in a very toxic age. And there are genetic elements, I think, for autism. What we often see, we'll, we'll, we'll see these mutations where the child can't clear toxins from the body, metals from the body. But that is also seen with trauma. So we've got, you know, a number of factors interrelating. But I think without, the, without all of the medication, without all of the suppression, then we wouldn't be seeing this. And there's, if you don't mind me, Lisa, just going on slightly, I would like to let you, really important for your listeners, if you have an acute inflammatory cycle, like you throw a fever, it's a cycle. It's got a beginning and an end. The body produces it then itself. And if you don't allow it to end and you just interrupt it, then that inflammation is stored as chronic inflammation. So every time we are lowering our children's fevers with non-homeopathy, with Calpol or Tylenol or ibuprofen, we are interrupting an acute inflammatory cycle. Every time we use antibiotics, we're interrupting what the body's trying to do. We're not allowing the body to complete the cycle. If you do that with homeopathy, it, it works by helping the body to complete the acute inflammatory cycle. But what we're doing all the time is we're interrupting acute inflammation and storing chronic inflammation. When you look at the history of a child with autism and the children with autism who have chronic illness, you can see that this has been done over and over and over again, from beginning from vaccines or before vaccines. But very often vaccines are the first thing we begin to see sickness coming in after, after that. And I think vaccines themselves, they're just interrupting the immune system in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And it's sad when you practice and you see this so yeah. day in, day out. And so like it's textbook almost, isn't it, this story? Yeah, we just have to teach parents that this is what's happening. And I think if we teach them well enough what, what processes are coming about, uh, then they'll know 
and they'll use homeopathy 24 7 <laughs> and get a homeopathic remedy instead of antibiotics and don't leave it too late because you want to be able to intervene before you have to go to the doctors because you're getting frightened your child is really sick so yeah yeah that's why every home needs a homeopathy kit i'm currently conscious of time ren so i uh, there's yeah. a couple of questions i want to ask i also want to make sure that you've got the chance anything that you want to relate because there's so much i could talk to you about i did want to ask if this is okay i, I tend to ask all the homeopaths this and this is a perhaps a difficult question but i'm going to ask you anyway do you have a favorite remedy uh tarantula <laughs> I don't know, that one's just come straight to the top of my mind. Yeah, that one's come um, because I have, I had a very overactive thyroid, probably Graves disorder, and my homeopath gave me tarantula and it was such a relief because I just, I couldn't sit still. I was extremely hyperactive and very bad tempered. And it was just like an amazing remedy. So that one's, that was a personal one for me. But in otherwise in autism, I probably would say stromonium. For I think Chan said stromonium, did she? She did, yeah. she did, and it's oh. one of my favourites yeah. as well. It's amazing, yeah. stromonium. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? Why do you like it so much? We've all got our personal take on it. Why? Why do you love it? Because because the person who needs stromonium is in quite a dark place. It often comes in through a birth injury, a traumatic birth, and the. There's a tendency to really bad night terrors. The child is very frightened, very aggressive often. There's a lot of brain inflammation in this remedy. And it's a big autism remedy. We see it. It's one of probably the very top autism remedies that I prescribed, particularly that and higher signs are probably my top two. Yeah, tuberculinum as well. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's just such a, a difficult place to be. Stromonium is a difficult place to picture to be in. And it's such a beautiful remedy when you see it work. Really, is the big turnarounds come often with stromonium. Yeah, it is. And on a do you know on a personal level, I remember when my daughter was prescribed stromonium, and she'd been having awful like night terrors. I don't think she'd slept yeah. like it had been months that she slept with me because she was just so scared, so anxious. Yeah. And she took stromonium only in a thirty C. And she just walked up to her bedroom and put herself in bed. And I was almost a bit to go, like, to go, do you? And I was yeah. like, shut up. She's, it was like just as if someone had just flipped a switch. It was amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's such a, you know, it's such a, an amazing remedy. It's such a nasty poison in, in its non homeopathic form. And so it can create such awful symptoms that in homeopathic, form it can it can resolve such awful symptoms mm. you know it's it's wonderful and everyone should go and read the book by Paul Hersky because it talks about so much more than just stromonia really doesn't it but if you are yeah. interested in it go get the book because I love it okay so is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like people to know about there was one there was one more thing and so the big concern is that now that we have all been vaccinated, a lot of us have been vaccinated for years, it's very difficult because when you breastfeed, you can't confer immunity so well to your baby. And this is this is quite a concern. And also, if we stopped vaccinating, if they finally work out that vaccines are a problem and they stop vaccinating, how can they do so? Because then we're going to have massive epidemics yeah, and, and people won't have any immunity. So... I think that we're in a very difficult situation there. But to stretch my neck out, there's some work done by Isaac Golden in Australia. He did a lot of work with something called homeoprophylaxis, which actually uses the microbes we're trying to defend ourselves against, like meningitis or leptospirosis or yeah. et cetera, all of these different B, and it uses them in, in potency to train the body to train and educate the immune system to recognize these microbes. And so if you choose not to vaccinate, and some people I know nowadays choose not to vaccinate, I'm not telling you whether you should or not, but if you choose not to, and you feel concerned that your child is not safe because they're not vaccinated, this is homeoprophylaxis is actually an alternative that you can look into. There's a lot of human data on it. And I would think that this is uh, possibly uh, like a big shovel in which we could dig ourselves out of a big hole. So that, that would be my final note, really. I have 
hope about. I completely with you on that. I love the leptospirosis. Cuban study, go Google it if you are interested in seeing the power of this area of homeopathy. You're right, it has got the potential to really get us out of a sticky situation. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to connect with you, Ren, how's best to connect? You mentioned the website. Do you have your own website or is it the international? Yeah, uh, national, my, my website is internationalhomeopath.com. Really simple. And you'll find me on Facebook as International Homeopath or Ren Schieffer Lloyd is my profile name. And yeah, you'll find me at IH4A, International Homeopaths for Autism. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy to signpost people to my team. If you want to know which of my team will be best for you, then get in contact with me and I will signpost you. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. This like hour has just literally flown by. I could chat to you for so much longer, but there's so much amazing information you shared. I'm really grateful for all you do and your experience and wisdom and sharing so much with everyone. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. I was a bit jealous when I saw a charm. So <laughs> I was like, hey, man, hey, <laughs> so, no, it's really nice. I'm also, I think on the 16th of January, there's episode coming out from Eugenie Kruger's Hangoffy Hangout. This interview that I did with her last week. So I'm on a roll at the moment. And you I'm looking are. forward to doing our work. Looking forward to doing our work together on detox really soon. Oh yeah, really can't wait for that. So yeah, link below. Everyone needs to sign up for that. Yeah, Eugenie was on the last podcast, so people yep. go and check her website, her podcast out too.